Growing up on a farm, I, I don't know if people just think that farms can just take care of all animals. I, I really don't know if that's the case or not, but we, we would have all the time dogs and cats and other animals that people have as pets dropped off at our farm. And uh, honestly, that's how we got, uh, that's how I had all my pets was, thank you, whoever dropped off that dog or that cat. Um, I had those saying thank you for a cat is, I'm not sure, on the <laughs> priority list. But anyway, um, needless to say, I'm a dog person. And uh, we had a dog that was dropped off, and uh, his name, we didn't have a name for him, but we named him Wags, because Wags always wagged his tail. I mean, even when he was sitting with his butt in the dirt, his tail was doing this all over the place. Even when he was lying down, seemed like he was sleeping, his tail was still going 100 miles an hour. So wags seemed to fit really well with this dog. Well, this dog had a, a, a just an unbelievable appetite. And he was the kind of dog that honestly, when you fed him, he would literally catch food out of the air as you're dropping it into his bowl. Um, I, it is amazing. Um, and, it, and it seemed like he would, had an endless pit uh, in his stomach because this dog could eat everything that we gave him and then he would want more. And he was all, it seemed like he was always hungry and never satisfied. Always hungry, never satisfied. The truth of, uh, of you and I is that there is a wags inside every single one of us. There is a, a hunger, a longing, a desire that every single one of us has, and we strive to try to fill it with, with so many different things, and yet we are el- like seldom ever satisfied. I mean, you think about it, we're, we're dissatisfied with what comes out tomorrow. And, and, and the truth is, is that I really believe inside all of us is, and, and metaphorically, this idea of wags. We're always hungry and never satisfied. So would you do something with me? Just, I know it seems going to seem weird and we're in church, whatever, but let's just, let's just let out our inner wags for a moment and, uh, and just, when I count to three, you're, you're going to be like, ha, 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 ha. okay, that's all I want you to do. All right, are you ready? One, two, three. Just slide it out. <laughs> you are my master, and I love you. Um, I, you know, it's, it, 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 it is, did that not feel good? Just to let it kind of, <laughs> some of you are still doing that. I love it. That's awesome. If you feel like you need to lick your neighbor, you know. Let your inner dog out. Um, just kidding. Don't do it, please. That's weird. Somebody's like, oh, my gosh, I'm never going back to this church ever. <laughs> that inner wags, that, that desire, that longing, that, 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 that hunger that's in every single one of us rarely goes satisfied. And, and as I think about that, I don't know that the problem is that we're hungry. I don't know that the problem is that there's a longing in us. 
There's something that's in us that wants to connect. There's something that's in us that wants to be loved. There's something in us that wants to belong. There's something in us that wants to find purpose. I I don't think that that's the problem. The problem is, is where or what or who are we turning to to satisfy our hunger? That's the problem. And the question that, that... that I want you to ask yourself today is, what are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? If, if indeed in us there is something that is hungry all the time and needs to be satisfied, then, then, then you need to ask yourself, what am I hungry for? And honestly, the answer has much to do with the condition of your soul. The condition of your soul. Because the world will tell you, whatever feels good, do it. Whatever seems right in the moment, go for it. If something satisfies you for a little bit, then go for it. Do that thing. Whatever feels good, whatever you want to do. You, and, and you get to be the master of your own ship and go ahead and just do whatever you want to do. And yet, God in his powerfulness, God in his all-knowingness, God in, in who he is says there's one thing that you really need. And Jesus himself said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. The truth is, is that what we need in our soul is not what the world offers, what we need in our soul, and the thing that will bring satisfaction to our soul is a person, and his name is Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Are you hungering for Jesus? Are you thirsting for Jesus? Are you longing for Jesus? Is there a, a, a desire in your life to know Jesus? And, and again, I, I say to you, it's vital that you understand that the condition of your soul is what will answer that question of what are you hungry for because it's our being that leads to our doing. Who, who I am, who I be, leads to what I do. And so we need to understand the importance of the condition of our soul. Proverbs 4 and verse 23 is written and it says this above everything else above all else guard your soul guard your heart that that means to be actively putting protection around your soul to actively be aware of what is impacting your soul why because out of it flows all of the decisions of your life. Think think about that. The condition of your soul impacts everything you do. Everything. Not some things, everything. So, So what are you hungry for? Because your being leads to your doing. Jesus 
understood this. Jesus knows this. Jesus gets this because not only is he God in the flesh, but he is God and understands how he created us with a longing inside of us for something more, for something beautiful, for something incredible, for something that would satisfy us. And so as he's sitting down with his disciples and he's beginning to teach them and beginning to help them understand what it is that they need in their lives, he is telling them, guys, if you want to follow me, if you want to learn from me, if you want to serve me, then here are the things that you need in your life. And we're going to start with your soul and we're going to move outward. And we find these truths in Matthew chapter 5. So if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 5. We've been looking at them. We call them the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. These attitudes of our soul that will impact our eternal home. They'll impact our living now. And they'll impact the way that we interact with other people. And the beauty of these beatitudes are, they are Jesus, really, his life on display. The character of his life, the actions of his life, the condition of his soul is on display in the beatitudes. And he longs for us to understand that these should be also true of us as disciples, as followers of him. Verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean? That means, again, to recognize I need God. I need God, and I am empty apart from God. Have you ever come to the place where you realize you are in desperate need of God, and you are absolutely bankrupt and empty without God? Have you ever come to that place in your life? If not, you will. I, I'm just, I'm telling you, you will. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to accept God as the one who will fill your life. Many people do not. But the reality is every single one of us will come to the place where we recognize I need God and I am empty without him. And then we have a choice to make. And he goes on and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And then verse 4, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who realize that their sin keeps them from God. Keeps them from a right relationship with God. Keeps them from knowing God. And understanding, they understand, I recognize it's my sin that does that. Not I'm blaming somebody else for my issues. No, I'm looking in the mirror and going, it's me. It's my sin that's keeping me from God. And it's breaking my heart because I long to know God. I want to be in relationship with God. But I understand that my sin keeps me from God. And so we're broken over our sin, and our only hope is to turn to him. So blessed are the meek. What does the word meek mean? It means power brought under control. Under whose control? God's control. What does it mean to be meek? It means to surrender my life to God's control. So if I understand that I am, I'm hopeless without God, that I need God, and that my sin separates me from God, my only hope is to turn to God with a meek heart and bring myself under his, let him have control of my life. Because the beauty is, 
And yet the ugliness of it is, is that you and I can't do one thing about that. We, we try so hard to make ourselves get right with God. We try so hard to somehow appease God and escape his wrath when the reality is, is that you and I can't do anything to earn a right relationship with God. There is only one who did that and is able to do that and he paid with his his life, and not only did he die, but he rose again so that you and I can have life. And that's the one way that God says you can have a relationship with me. And his name, again, is Jesus. Thank you. Jesus. If you have a relationship with Jesus, then, my friend, your sins have been forgiven, and you have been given eternal life, and you have a relationship with God Almighty. You can call God Father. You can cry out to God, Abba, Daddy, you're my Father. Why? Because of a relationship with Jesus, not because you're a good person. Not because you come to church, not because you read your Bible, not because you were baptized, not because you did X, Y, Z. It's because of what Jesus has done for you. And he sets you free. And he gives to you eternal life. And I want to surrender my life to him, give my power, my control, which by the way is super pseudo, like it's not real. Fake, hello. Fake power, fake control. We all think we are in control. Oh, no. No, you're not. No, you don't even, you do not even have a clue what the next five minutes are going to bring. Oh, we think we do. We think we do. We even think we got figured out what the next five years is going to bring, the next five days, next five months, next five whatever. No. No, you don't. You don't have any idea. Shoot, we, we even try to control people around us. That's, that's working out well for you, isn't it? No control. You know who's in control? God's in control. God is in control. And you can either deny that or you can accept it, but the reality is is God longs for you to surrender to him. So what do I do? I've surrendered my life to God. I want to follow after God. Then what what do I need to do? What, how, what, how, do, how do I draw near to him? How do, I, how do I become closer in my relationship with him? What, how do I hear from him? What do, what, do I, what do I do to grow in this thing that I have? Verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The intensity of this expression is kind of foreign to us. I mean, think about it. If we're hungry, what do we do? We go to the fridge. We open the fridge and we get whatever's in the fridge. We go to the freezer. We pop it into the whatever fryer or microwave or whatever it is that you got in your house. And bam, we have food. If we don't want that, then what do we do? We go get some fast food somewhere. Oh, well, I'm going to have some nuggies from Chick, you know, from McDonald's or whatever. Well, great. We, so we don't really understand what it means to be hungry. And then thirsty, we don't really get what it means to be thirsty because if we're thirsty, 
we just walk over to the faucet, turn it on, and get ourselves a glass of water. And if we don't like city water, then we turn to our refrigerator, which has got a water dispenser on it that's filtered, which actually doesn't really work if you ever noticed. But anyway, uh, and, and I'm just saying, if you test it, it's the exact same thing. It comes out of your faucet. But anyway, uh, I digress. Um, and you get water out of your fridge. So, so for these people, though, listening to Jesus, they, they were one step away from dehydration. They were one step away from starvation. And they would understand when Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They, they would understand that, that this hungering and this thirsting comes from the possibility of spiritual malnutrition. That, that it comes from a, a possibility of, of, of desperate Desperate hunger, of longing to have just something in my belly, of longing to just have a cold glass of water or even a glass of water at all. And they would get that being hungry and thirsty is talking about a desperate longing, a hungering that cannot be and, 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 and ultimately is, is going, I've got to just turn to this one place. And it's a desperate longing a, 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 from your soul, hungering. Listen to what David says in Psalm 63.1 and see if you can identify. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. What are you hungry for? If you notice, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. This is, these words are in the present tense. And so what does that mean? That means that it's not a one and done thing. It's not a one-off meal and a one-off drink. It, it is a lifetime, a, a over time a pursuit, a hungering, a thirsting for righteousness that happens over time. Again, think about in your life, if you were to eat a meal, would that one meal satisfy you for an entire week? Would it satisfy you for an entire week? No, because our body naturally gets hungry, and when it gets hungry, it wants to be fed, and when it gets thirsty, it wants to drink. And so what this is meaning is, again, hungry and thirsty is a genuine, continual hunger and thirst for God's righteousness. God's righteousness. Listen to these verses and pay attention to the when of these verses, the time of these verses. Psalm 1 verse 2, David writes, delight in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. Psalm 42, and I would encourage you go read all of Psalm 42 at some point, not right now, but go read Psalm 42, an incredible psalm. Psalm 42 verse 2, he says, my soul Thirst for God, for the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? When shall I come and, and eat of what God is offering? When shall I come and, and drink from what God is, is offering to me? And then he answers it in verse 8. By day 
The Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Do you, do you notice the when there? Day and night. It's not just, again, it's not just a one-off. It's all day. It's continuous. Can, can I get just super practical with you for a second and ask you some questions? When you wake up in the morning, when you wake up in the morning, what are the first five things you do in the morning when you wake up? Well, some of you are all like, well, I, I go to the bathroom. Uh, I brush my teeth. Some, I heard somebody asked me earlier, they're like, you brush your teeth before you eat? And I'm like, uh, yeah. Uh, I want to taste my food and not my breath. Um, so, uh, yes, I do, and then I brush my teeth afterwards, but anyway, um, some of you are like, dude, all I gotta say is, I'm 50 years old, and I've never had a cavity, enough said, um, so take that to the bank, uh, so anyway, I guess I have really good teeth, praise God, um, sorry, where am I going with this, that's the wags, squirrel, uh, anyway, thank you, someone else got it too, good job. Um, yeah, where was I? So, yeah, thank you, day and night. Five, five, five things, what five things do you do? Coffee, <laughs> absolutely, absolute must. Coffee in the morning, coffee in the midday, coffee in the evening. Put a vein, intravenous in here and let's go. Um, so, yeah, coffee, definitely. Can, can I ask you a question? Where does this come up in the top five? Or does this come up in your top five? And I'm not just talking about this. I'm also talking about the TV set, your, your computer, your iPad, your gaming system, whatever. Here, here's the challenge that I was given from my, my uh, spiritual mentor down in Florida when we were down there. He's like, Jay, what would happen if this wasn't a part of your morning routine at all? And then he said, what if, instead of that being in your top five, what if getting on your knees to pray was in your top five? What if getting into the word of God and reading it was in your top five? What, what difference would that make? Can, can I just tell you, this has revolutionized my walk with the Lord. Why? Because I don't know about you, when I look at texts and I look at emails and I look at what's going on in the world, what automatically starts to happen is my mind starts to track that direction. And I don't know about you, but most of my texts and most of my emails and most of what I see in the news is not helpful at all to my life and especially not to my spiritual journey. So, so what if this was not a part of the equation. Okay, let's go a step farther because we just talked about day, morning. We read, didn't we? Night. What are the five things you do before you go to bed? What are the five things that you do before you go to bed? What if, and, and oh, here's the question again, where's this fit in that five? Oh, I, I just gotta make sure that I answer these texts before I go to bed. At 11.30 at night. Listen, nobody wants to get a text from you at 11.30 at night. Um, I got to make sure I answer these emails. Do you? 
Where, where, or you're watching TV while you're falling asleep. Oh, man, now he's hitting on it. I don't like him anymore. He's, mm, I like my Netflix. Mm, mm, mm. Just saying, what if, what if you remove screens from your last five? You're like, well, I, I, look at, I look at the Bible on my phone. Okay, you got me. You can look at the Bible on your phone. As long as it doesn't take you to email and texts and everything else. Just saying. That's why there's these little paper things that are called Bibles that you can read from. Um, and, and, and here's another kicker. You're like, dude, talking morning, you're talking night. Do you know what Daniel did? Three times a day, at least three times a day, Daniel would pray. Do you know what, you know what most scholars believe? That that's morning, midday, and evening. What if your lunch break became a time where you spent with God? Yeah, you, you took some nourishment in, which, by the way, I don't think anybody here, if we skip lunch, is going to die, but I'm just saying um, you took 15 minutes for lunch, or maybe you get a 30-minute break, or maybe an hour, or maybe you're lucky and you get whatever you want. Um, but what if you just took 15 minutes to eat, and then you took the other 15 minutes, and you just got into the Word of God? How do you think that would transform your life? How do you think that would transform your thinking? Because I don't know about y'all, but what I know is Satan never lets up never lets up. Even in my stinking dreams, Satan is attacking me while I'm sleeping. He never lets up. It's like he's playing chicken with us all the time, except that he never swerves, and he never lets off the gas pedal, ever. So how am I going to combat all the mess that Satan is throwing my way? The only way that I can do that is through the word of God, just like Jesus did. So, so what would happen if I made God's word and prayer part of the five in the beginning and a part of five in the, in the end and a part of my midday? Seek first his kingdom. Blessed are the hungry and the thirsty, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For righteousness. Psalm 119. Verses 9 through 11. He asks this question, how can a young man, a young person, keep their life, their way, pure? That word pure can be interchanged with righteous, by the way. How can a young person, and oh, oh by the way, if you think, oh, well, this is just talking to young people. Every single one of y'all in here were a young person at one time. Some of y'all still think you are. And you try to do stuff, and then you end up breaking things. I'm just saying. I get you. I'm feeling that. I understand. Tried doing that the other day, and I felt like I lost my arm. What does it say? By living according to your word. How can I keep my way righteous? How can I keep my way pure? By living according to God's word. Here's what you need to understand, and I'm going to throw this in there before. Go ahead and leave that up there if you would, because we're going to come back to it. 
here's what I want you to understand something. So many people are so messed up in their head. And, and there's so much confusion and so much chaos and so much. I mean, right now, this, they're saying that the, this generation of young people that we have right now is the most stressed and the most, and the most um, going through some of the most difficult things in their life than, than perhaps any other generation before them. And we, we literally have 10-year-olds that are killing themselves. Ten years old. Are you kidding me? And here's what we need to understand. When you forsake the word of God, you forsake the God of the word. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you forsake the word of God, you have forsaken the God of the word. And it's no wonder that so many people are so messed up. And I'm not talking about those who are outside the church. I'm talking about those who say they have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know if y'all have looked at anything that's going on in the church in the West, but we are screwed up. And the reason is, is because we have forsaken the word of God and thus, by extension, forsaken the God of the word. And, and it's no wonder we're all messed up because we have no true north. We, we have no anchor. We have no, no, no vantage point to say, this is what I believe and this is what I'm going after. How, do you, how are you going to keep your way pure? According to, can I get that verse back up, please? According to the word, your word. Notice what he says. I seek with my whole heart. Do, here's a prayer. Do not let me stray from your commands. Do not let me stray from your commands. And then here's a kicker. When was the last time you memorized a verse just for kicks and giggles to be able to develop your relationship with the Lord? I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. There's another, there's right there three, at least three actions. Reading the word of God, praying, and memorizing scripture that if you want to live in a life that is honoring and glorifying to God and is righteous, I'm not talking about, again, if we go back to that word, we haven't gotten there yet, and you're like, oh, man, it's already 1203. Oh, well. Righteous, what does that mean? Here's the problem with the word righteous. So many of us, we take out the E-O-U-S, and what we look at is rightness, and we think that we're right and everybody else is wrong. I'm right, you're wrong, in your face with disgrace. I mean, that's, you know, and it... That is, that's, that is so prevalent in, in church culture today, it is messed up. That is nothing to do with Jesus. We cannot leave out the E-O-U-S. You know why? Because righteousness is right with-ness. And who are we getting right with? We're getting right with God. And so if you want to live a righteous life, you want to hunger and thirst after righteousness, it is being right with God. Not rightness, right with God. Right withness. And being right with God means I'm obeying his commands. I am striving to live for him. I am doing what Jesus said. What did Jesus say was the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God 
with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It doesn't stop there, y'all. He doesn't stop there, and this is where the other rest of these Beatitudes come into play. And what is a pattern throughout the Word of God is there is love God, but Jesus doesn't stop there. Love the Lord your God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it. In other words, the second is just as important. The second is, is, is I mean, it's, it's interwoven with the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, here's the deal. You can not be right with God and wrong with people. And again, I'm not talking about how they interact with you. I'm talking about how you interact with them. We're going to get to that later as peacemakers and mercy showers. Of The Bible makes it clear, if at all possible, as far be it as you, live at peace with everyone. You can do that, but not everyone's going to live at peace with you. I'm not talking about how they're interacting with you. I'm talking about you. How are you doing at loving other people? Because listen, here's the deal. If you don't love other people, then you cannot love God. And you cannot be right with God if you're not right with other people. As far be it as you. And so if you want to be hungering and thirsting for the righteousness of God, to be right with God means you be right with him by loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. And if you look at the Beatitudes, these first four that we've looked at have been all about our soul and relationship with God. The next ones that we're gonna look at are about our relationship with other people. And you know what's interesting? Look at Exodus chapter 20 and the 10 commandments. The first four commandments are all about love God and the last six commandments are all about loving people. It's a pattern. And when you see a pattern like that throughout scripture, that means Hello, pay attention, this is important. Um, look at it. And the reality is, is, is that's true of Jesus' life. Think about that. Loving God, loving people. He loved you and I so much, he gave his life for us. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't just stop with loving God? He loved us enough to die for us and then to rise again. What an incredible God we serve. And here's... Here is an awesome part of all of this. They will be satisfied. They shall be satisfied. What is that? What is that satisfaction? The beauty of this satisfaction is, is that what God offers to us, the righteousness that he offers to us to fill us with, is so incredibly amazing. I never can get enough of it, and I want more and more, and I got to keep going back to him to get more and more of his righteousness because I just can't get enough. He satisfies me in the moment, but it's like, oh, I want more of God. I want to spend more time with God. I want to be with God. I can't wait to see God. I'm longing for the day that Jesus returns and takes us home to be with him. I just can't wait, and I keep going back more and more and more. Give me more, God. And the beauty of God is there's always more to get. There's always more. I, I love what John says about Jesus. If, if there were, if everything about Jesus was written down, the world would not be big enough to hold all the books that would be written about Jesus. Guess what? You'll never ever get to a place where you fully know God on this side of heaven. When we get to heaven, boom, it's like instant no. I don't know how that's going to work, and I really don't care. I'm just excited about the whole thing. How cool. So he satisfies. 
And check out Psalm 107, verses 8 and 9. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. Oh, can we ever get to know that fully? Oh, thank him for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. He satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul. He fills with good things. Question, what are you hungry for? Would you close your eyes, bow your head, please? Worship team's coming. There's going to be people standing up here at the front, people at the back. Why are they doing that? They're doing that to pray with you. Maybe you feel like you need to have someone pray over you, pray for you. That's what we want to do. It's not about pointing you out. It's not about guilting you or shaming you or judging you. We just want to pray for you. So you got some people up here at front. You got some people at the back. Here's the thing, too. You got people around you. So maybe you're just like, hey, and you just turn to somebody next to you and say, hey, could you pray for me? Or maybe you're here and you're going, you know, I feel like the Holy Spirit's nudging me to pray for this person next to me. Just reach out to them and say, hey, can I pray for you? My daughter was telling me that somebody here, and he's here today, and I thank him for this. He just went up to her and and said, hey, I really feel like God is telling me to pray for you. Can I just tell you, and this person knows who he is, that impacted her big time. So thank you. Thanks for being obedient. I don't know where you're at in your faith journey. I really don't. I don't have to. You're not accountable to me. You're accountable to Jesus. So do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? If not, why not? What's keeping you from it? My friend, don't, don't let other people keep you from it. Don't let the church keep you from it. Don't let some knucklehead who's telling you that you're, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Just come to Jesus and say, I surrender to you. I'm, I'm, I want to walk with you. I want to be in relationship with you, Jesus. You can do that anywhere you're at in any way. God is more concerned about your heart than he is about your words. So you can reach out to him and ask him, talk to him. We're here in the front, some at the back. We want to pray with you. Father, thank you for the gift of your love. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Help us to obey now. Put into practice what you spoke to us early about. We asked you to speak to us, so I'm assuming you did. Help us to cement that in our heart and in our walk, in our life. Thank you for your love in Jesus' name. Let's stand. Let's sing.